This podcast contains explicit language. This is the waves. 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 Welcome to the waves, Slate's podcast about gender, feminism, and refusing to say f boy. Because when a show is on Tony Soprano's sister network, we just say fuck boy. Now, every episode, you get a new pair of women to talk about the thing we can't get off our minds. And for today, you've got me, Shayna Roth, producer of this show, The Waves, and all-around podcast producer for Slate. And you've got me, Allegra Frank, a senior editor for Slate's culture team. A few years ago, I used to spend most Thursday nights with my friend Libby watching The Bachelor or The Bachelorette. And this was one of, honestly, my favorite things to do because we would make a big night of it. We would have drinks. We would have fancy snacks. But I was always kind of wondering in the back of my mind, we were two successful, smart, self-identifying feminists. And was it okay that we were watching this crazy dating reality show? Dating shows have sort of a sordid history with misogyny, with racism, with heteronormativism. I mean, you name it. But I keep coming back to them for entertainment. Whenever there's a new one on and I see a trailer for it, I'm like, ooh, I think I want to check that out. These are problematic trash. And I'm wondering, like, what does this say about me if I watch them? So I've been kind of out of the Bachelor universe for a bit. But then I saw that there's this show called F-Boy Island on HBO Max, and I watched the trailer and I had all these complicated feelings, so I decided to do what anyone would do, and I decided to use my job to help sort out those feelings. Allegra, why did you want to talk about this show? I am so excited to talk about this show because actually, very much unlike you, Shayna, I have always hated dating shows. Like my roommates and friends would have the same kind of batch nights that you and your friend would have. But I would either try and make other plans to get out of the apartment, or I would sit there very begrudgingly and like make very snarky comments the whole time to the point where my roommates were like, okay, maybe you don't get to watch this with us. And I think it's all of the reasons that you mentioned are the reasons why I had like no interest in indulging in this genre because like all of that prejudice and heteronormative crap is like stuff we have to deal with in the in real life all the time and even though these are contrived and they're meant to be just hyper maximalist versions of real life in this way I just was like I can't sit here for 14 hours watching this But despite not liking dating shows, I do love reality shows. And I've always loved competitions because as as problematic as they can be because the contestants are there and the drama is there, there's something a little more intentional with them. So with F-Boy Island, despite it having like all that romance stuff that I don't like, which I think is usually just inherently marked by all those isms, It grabbed me so hard that I literally watched every episode, which there's 10 hours of this show. It took me like at most three days. But I think I loved it because it's a mashup of the dating and the competition that somehow is like so much more fun than either of those can be on their own. 
So coming up, we're going to get into what makes F-Boy Island different and in some ways the same from other dating shows. Later on, we'll also look at dating shows as a whole. Are they good for women? Can we have our candy if it's this riddled with toxicity? And for real, why are all the weights on this show made of wood? (laughs) I really need to know. (laughs) The biggest question. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Let's talk about F-Boy Island. The show is on HBO Max and seems to want to be a bit more snarky, a bit more winking than your average dating show. The premise is three women are looking for love or, you know, kind of some vague equivalency of love among 24 men. But the twist that we learn right away is that half of these boys or bros are fuck boys and half are so-called nice guys. And they're all sort of self-proclaimed nice boys or fuck boys. They have sort of determined this way ahead of the show. How would you describe a fuck boy? Yeah, I mean, I think a fuck boy, it's almost like inherent in the title. A fuck boy is a guy who prioritizes his own sexual interests above those of a woman. He's just interested in, you know, having sex, no matter if the woman wants something more, he will always prioritize his own feelings over any sense of loyalty to a woman. He's not a, he's not a relationship guy. He's not trying to treat a lady well. He's just trying to get the the good vibes for himself and only him. Now, Allegra, you said that you inhaled this show. What did it for you? What did you like about it? Yeah, I I think inhale is absolutely the right word because I took in one breath and then a breath later, it was 10 hours had gone by. There's like two main reasons. So as I was saying up top, it's sort of like a mashup of what I love. There's a competitive angle, right? Like we're trying to suss out which of these guys are truly nice and which of them are truly irredeemable, irreversible fuckboys. It compels me to go forward of what are these girls going to do at the end? Are these women going to choose the right guy? And also it seemed sort of self-aware of the garbage that populates dating games. Like the fact that every single guy on this show is a hottie. There's no doubt about it. And it's a very straight show. It's about women trying to pick the guy that they want to share the money with, right? So it's it's falling for those tropes. But it also really pushes back at them with the whole angle of, you know what, you're a fuckboy, and I ain't putting up with that. Or I'll put up with that, but you don't get to be a fuckboy with me. And that is so much more fun than watching, for me, like something like The Bachelor or Love Island. Because if you're an asshole, honestly, it sometimes behooves you to be one. And you'll never really be called out in the same kind of way where it's like, okay, you are an asshole, but instead of just letting you continue on that way, we're going to 
explain to you why it's not good to be this way. Like this show actually sort of takes a tact of like trying to break down the fuckboy veneer. Well, the fuckboys get sent to, what is it, Himbo or? Limbro. Limbro, yes. Yeah, like once every, every um, you know, they have the elimination and the guys have to reveal if they were fuckboys or nice guys. And if they were fuckboys, they have to go to Limbro where they go through therapy hosted by Nikki Glazer, the host. But uh, so not totally official therapy. It's still fun. But they have to sit and think about why they are the way they are. And that it's like taking the piss out of those other shows where it's like, why do these fuck boys want to just fuck around? Why do they think it's okay to do that? And I think that's so much more fun and tolerable to me than the alternative that I find on other dating shows. I thought the whole fuckboy piece of this was kind of interesting as a as a general hook for the show. In the introduction, host Nikki Glazer sort of sets this out as their their mission statement when it comes to these fuckboys. Over the past 20 years, the F-boy has become both more powerful and more prominent. We have been forced to tolerate the manipulative douchebaggery of the unchecked male ego for far too long. You hear that? And that is why we're here. F-Boy Island. But what I found myself wondering was, is the show calling out this behavior as shitty and saying that, you know, something needs to be done? Or is it really just kind of saying that, well, you know, fuckboys will be fuckboys? Yeah, I mean, I I don't want to give away the ending of the show, of course. We are not allowed to give we away We will never <laughs> we had, do that. We had screeners and we made promises to HBO Max. <laughs> we would never dare to give away the ending. But that's the thing. Like, it's up to the guy to either, like, claim that he has been reformed or want to be reformed especially because it's not taking itself so seriously as to actually employ a real therapist to get down to the nitty gritty of why these guys are the way they are. But Nikki puts on glasses. Nikki, so, yes, that's you true. know, we, we take it very seriously. <laughs> she's just like one course away from getting that degree is where she's at with uh, her, her psychology degree. But, you know, it's still like an entertainment it's still an entertainment aspect. It's still fun. And there's really no way we can prove that these guys will be anything but fuck boys at the end. So like, as much as I love the concept of, you know, we're not going to let these guys get away with it. You can't really stop them at the end. And it's clear that some are just being manipulative. So it's, it's imperfect in that way, for sure. Yeah, there's one guy, one of the Garrets, who... One of... <laughs> one of the... <laughs> but, you know, so he's he's an interesting sort of study in all of this because he's one of the few people that in his one-on-one interviews, he says, I'm a fuckboy, I'm a fuckboy, I'm a fuckboy, I'm just here for the money, I'm just here for the money. And it's interesting that he's one of the few people that are doing that. We can't give away spoilers or anything, but I guess what did you think of of the Garrett of it all. He seemed to be kind of like what they were trying to cast sort of overall. And the fact that he was, to me, a very obvious fuckboy, but still was able to be just super manipulative to to these women and go 
at least through the first three episodes, make it just fine. What What are your thoughts on him? Yeah, I mean, he was definitely the one who kind of like proved that there's something fallible with this premise of like, it's ultimately up to the the women to decide like how much it, this bothers them with each particular man. Garrett was especially terrible. I mean, he was pretty much open with the fact that like he wasn't here for good intentions. He was not someone who uh, seemed like he would be reformed at all. Like he was someone who very much seemed contented with who he was. And I think Garrett, his continuing to be there really does suggest, okay, there's only so much we can do with this this premise that, you know, there there's still something fallible here because ultimately it is still a game show, right? Like it is still we have to make this entertaining and we have to make this suspenseful. We can't just make this like a feel good, everyone is better at the end sort of sort of situation. Although, you know, why why can't we, right? Like, to me, with Garrett being there as the villain, like as much as we always want a villain, it's like, why can't we get even a Garrett to change his ways? I don't know. I feel like if we did get a Garrett to change his ways, it would almost run counter to at least my feminist inclination to try and convince women that you don't want to try and change men. Like, like you can't change guys, you know, or, or people in general, unless like they legitimately want to change. And it seems like, at least for the first three episodes, it seems like he's going to try and play that card, right? Where he's like telling the camera, like, oh, I just came here for the money. By the way, there's some weird money element that at least within the first three episodes. <laughs> it's ele- three very ele- vague. It's very vague. It's very vague. But somehow he's going to win some money. He seems to then be like, yeah, well, you know, I've been talking to Sarah and I'm just, you know, I'm a fuck boy and I'm just here for the money, but I'm not going to lie. I'm actually starting to, to get feelings for her. And as soon as I heard him saying that, I'm like, no, no, can we not can we not <laughs> do the whole, like, we're going to redeem the fuckboy and we're going to change them? And I think that's one of my big problems with with the show is this idea that we can redeem these these guys. I mean, some guys are just assholes. And if we get it into our heads that, like, I'm going to I'm going to fix him, my love and my, you know, my cutout shirt and my perfect, you know, hair is going to <laughs> fix him. It's it, to me that's that's kind of almost as problematic as anything else because it wastes time and energy for successful usually intelligent women and I as somebody who has dated shitty guys in the past and been like well maybe maybe he just needs me you know like I feel like that's a narrative that as women we should be running away from and this show seems to almost be trying to sort of shore up in the form of fuckboys I mean, clearly it's it's working. It's magic on me to the point where I can thank <laughs> you for educating me. I mean, I, I don't like being this way, but I am like, well, I I can change them. I can show them the error of their ways. But it also says a lot about society putting it on women. Yes. Yes. To make these changes or to guide men into the light, which is an unfair it's an undue burden to place on a woman. You know, it should be on the men to make those changes 
as they see fit. It sucks that they can continue on being assholes and like succeed in this world. And I mean, sometimes it does take a romantic partner to tell them, hey, you're being shitty, but it shouldn't take said partner to reform them. That's completely true. Like that is something that we often expect from women to be the the caretakers, the educators, right? Like, you know, the, the teacher is stereotypically always a woman, the one to set you on the right path. But that's unfair. It should be, the men should be completely liable for deciding or figuring out, hey, the way I act is actually totally not cool. There's an imbalance in society that I can continue to be this way while a woman cannot. But, you know, the men on F-Boy Island, they're on F-Boy Island as proud F-Boys, right? Like, they came on because they fuck around, and they're proud of it. So, right, it's like to expect them to really make a change. I don't know that that's what they signed up for. And it's true that it's not fair to make the women do that full-on work. Especially because, like, the reverse version of this show would be, like, a woman who is too into her career and, like, she needs to be saved because she's not having a good enough time. Yeah. You know? It seems like while, at the one hand, it's, it's a fairly progressive show, you know, being very open with how deceptive it is and kind of winking at it. And, I mean, we didn't even get into host Nikki Glaser, who is just phenomenal let her host everything i mean she is she's hilarious and she calls these guys out all the time and ultimately you will get to answer the questions that women have been asking themselves for decades do good guys really deserve to always finish last and do f boys always have to finish on our face And so I think she really helps the show feel more progressive. But like at the same time, I feel like we are still stuck in the whole mythology or narrative that it is up to women to save men from themselves, from their fuckboyness and all of that. So before we go to our next break, how did you feel sort of as a feminist watching this show? Do we have to turn in our cards if we enjoy the show? Well, it's interesting because my original answer was, I mean, no. I believe we should be able to enjoy what we want to enjoy. And I think our reaction to this show, the fact that we're having this kind of conversation, it suggests that we're not just taking away, you know, the lessons they're trying to impart upon us, which often are the problematic, we can fix men or we can't, like some men suck, which at that, I mean, some men suck is a much better lesson than if we put in the time, maybe the man will be better, right? So I think it says a lot about us, the two of us, mostly you for educating me here. Um, (laughs) (laughs) This is what happens when when you've been married to a really amazing man for a very long time. (laughs) See, I'm still, I'm still too young for that. I have a very loving, lovely partner. But I am not far out of the, you know, the crappy guy phase or history of it that I I still am like, I mean, maybe if I stuck around longer. Um, (laughs) But I think I think, you know, the fact that we can have these conversations and we're not totally watching just buying into the the crap that it is sort of peddling. I, I think that, you know, we don't have to shame ourselves. But when I was watching and I was like, a little bit like, come on, you know, you don't choose this guy because you're <laughs> the work you're putting in is not going to do anything. Like, 
I was still watching it for what it was, too. But I think that's fine. We can still enjoy a show like this and not hate ourselves for it. Totally. You know, sometimes we just want to have our guilty pleasures. And I don't think there's anything wrong with wanting a guilty pleasure as long as you go into it sort of with your eyes open and, you know, occasionally listening to Allegra and I chat about it. (laughs) (laughs) So we're going to take a break here. But if you're enjoying The Waves, we would love it if you would like and subscribe to The Waves wherever you get your podcasts. And if you want to hear more from Allegra and myself on another topic, check out our Waves Plus segment, Gateway Feminism, where today Allegra and I talk about one thing that helped make us feminists. I'll be talking about the pink Power Ranger. Allegra, what will you be talking about? I will be talking about Rookie Magazine. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. So Allegra, I have a confession to make. Oh boy, I'm ready. (laughs) (laughs) My freshman year of college, I was obsessed with what I now know is a god-awful show called The Pickup Artist. Are you familiar with this show? <laughs> I remember this show. Was Remind me, was the host's name, like, Mystery? His name was Mystery. Yeah. He wore these terrible hats and had goggles, and his, uh, I guess, wingman was named Matador. <laughs> <laughs> so for people who have not had their eyes and ears tainted by this show, allow me to catch you up. The pickup artist starred this guy who takes a bunch of guys that are, you know, awkward around women and in his own way teaches them to be jerks around women with the promise that if you're a dick to women, they will inevitably like you. I mean, looking back, (laughs) I don't know why I watched this show. It's very hard to find clips of this show online. I'm pretty sure that VH1 is rightfully trying to forget that this ever aired. But I did find one, and I think it gives you a pretty good idea of what is going on with this show. Take a look at Matador and I, showing the boys how it's done. 
Mystery and Matador went into the club to show us how it was done, and we got to watch it on surveillance camera. Pleasure. Hello, hello. Who are you? Right off the bat, like Mystery was talking to the bartender, Matador was talking to another girl. I mean, before they even got in the club, they were already like in conversations with these people. You're huggable. I need to hug you. I don't know why. For God's okay. sakes, man! Take this woman from me! Oh, hell, I'll give you 200 bucks to get rid of her for me. Oh, no, you're lovely. Right they were just pulling from here, left, right. I mean, it was flowing. And, and here's the amazing thing is, Mystery talks about stuff that I would never think would work. I mean, he was talking about Google Earth. I mean, So this whole pickup artist thing seems to kind of be like the precursor to a fuckboy. And, and I think you could probably see a link from a show like The Pickup Artist to Fuckboy Island. And then there's just sort of a lot going on in between. But sort of the concepts of the fuckboy and the pickup artist are the same. And it's really all about deception. The deception piece of this I have found to be really interesting because on some level, I mean, all dating shows are are based on deception. You know, when you put somebody onto a beautiful location and give them a clothing budget and have help with their hair. I mean, they're not the same person that they're going to be on like a Tuesday night shopping at Costco. They're just <laughs> not. So I guess, Allegra, in your experience, how does deception fit in to these to these dating shows and and how problematic is it? I mean, I think dating shows, even though I classify competition shows something different, I think dating shows are still competitive, right? Like it's still about the guy wanting to win either the money or the girl. Like they're still a winner at the end of the day. And oftentimes to create both an entertaining version of that quest and to even be the winner, you need to be better than everyone else. And a lot of the times these guys, they're not great guys, and maybe they know it. And in order to try and best everyone else, they're gonna do and say what they have to do. So a lot of a lot of, you know, deceit happens because when you're trying to prove yourself and, you know, you're not exactly who you say you are because you're not exactly the person that your your love interest wants, you're going to lie. And I think that really is embedded into the whole DNA of a dating show where you're trying to trying to win over a woman over everyone else. Given that the thing that you're trying to win is a relationship. And in a lot of these shows, it's marriage. Like you're trying to win marriage, which is, I mean, when when you say the words out loud, it's almost like, how are we doing this? How is this a thing? (laughs) But I guess to me, that kind of puts like a weird gloss over the deception. Like, you know, it's not like MTV's The Challenge, which I'm obsessed with, where, you know, deception and politicking, it's all a part of it because you're trying to win all this money. To me, when you bring in the fact that, you know, I'm being not my true self in a show where the aim is to get into a relationship with somebody, it makes it feel like icky, <laughs> maybe is the word. Maybe yeah. maybe icky is, icky is the word. And especially for women who in a lot of these shows, I feel like, tend to be the ones that come out either looking bad or come out sort of as pawns in a lot of ways. 
It sucks. Like, it definitely does not reflect well on the women. Although, to be fair, like, at least the bachelorette exists in that sense. Like, I mean, not that the women, right? Yeah, it's not like the women come out looking good at all in that show. But there is at least a chance to make the men look like pawns. (laughs) Um, And on something like the bachelorette, Sorry, on The Bachelor, really. It's the the women who are taking the piss out of the men. And then on The Bachelorette, the woman gets to sort of suss out, hey, actually, you're trying to mis- mislead me. So, you know, there there are chances for the women to also be terrible or call the men out. But it is true that most dating shows, I think, are geared toward making the women look misguided or look like they don't know how to discern a good guy from a bad guy or even just going for the bad guy, right? Like, there's no fuck girl. Right, right. (laughs) Or even just looking crazy. I mean, I feel like I've seen so many episodes of The Bachelor or The Bachelorette where it it plays into the stereotypes of women who are looking for love are catty. They're going to be a little nuts. They're going to be clingy. They're going to be jealous and all of these things. And that was actually one of the things that I did like about F-Boy Island was that there's three women and they seem to really rally around each other. They haven't really been fighting with each other over guys. They're all kind of staying in their own lanes and they seem to sort of be there to support each other along with the host, Nikki. That was kind of an interesting twist on this because usually you see women being essentially pitted against each other on these types of shows, which was refreshing. Yeah, I definitely think, I mean, that was definitely another part of why I found this way more enjoyable than most other dating shows is because you did get to spend time with these women developing agency and become like, we had attachments to them in a way by the end. And they ultimately make the calls of, hey, I don't think you're a good guy, like you may be claiming. And I I found the women to be a lot more empowered than a lot of their uh, sister shows. One thing that was not refreshing or new on the show is just how gorgeous everyone is. <laughs> um, not refreshing at all. <laughs> Hated no, it. No, <laughs> I mean, it's just, I mean, and that's one of the other things. I have yet to find a dating show where they look like people I know. I mean, on all of these shows, and, and yes, there are a few that kind of steer against this, but usually it's it's some sort of a weird quirk to it. Like there was that Beauty and the Geek show where all of the guys were oh. quote unquote nerds and like, oh my God, they're not attractive. Can they get gorgeous women? But like for the most part, these shows are very focused on, we're going to find beautiful women with long extensions in their hair who know how to shade their makeup just right, who are skinny, and we're going to try and fi- help them find love with guys who are built like Coke machines, who are tatted up and, you know, gorgeous and they're, you know, and it's just like, to me, that's one of the things that I keep getting frustrated with on dating shows. It's like, I I, I want to see people who look like my friends. Not that my friends aren't gorgeous, but like, I can't do that to my face. I don't know how to put all that makeup on like that. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I love that you mentioned Beauty and the Geek because I actually did love that show, even though, I, and I think I loved it because there was the chance for yes it's always the hot woman like i think there was at least one female geek on one season of that show but it is always the hot woman but i did appreciate like hot women in my life oftentimes are with 
less hot men. And I, you know, I appreciate that they show that dichotomy, but I agree. Like I want, I want to show for us normies, us adorable, beautiful normies. Yeah. At least different kinds of beautiful. Yeah. Like they all look like they've been glossed over with like the same filter. <laughs> yes. You know, like- I, I want different <laughs> shades of, of beautiful. You know, I want different sizes of beautiful or unique and interesting looking people. And I just seem like I can never seem to get that in my reality dating shows. I agree. I think we, you and I, we should pitch a show where it's like people over the age of 30, like over the age of 23, or, you know, divorcees, or women who don't really like makeup, like, put them all on a show, put all of us on a show. We're fun, too. We're fun, too. (laughs) And let us be funny. And let us have the choices and let us have the drama. Like, those are the probably more reflective of the people watching, absolutely more reflective of the actual people watching than any of the women on these shows. And I, I'm constantly, given that, you know, a lot of these dating shows have made strides with at least being more diverse racially. Uh, FBoy Island is a fairly racially diverse show. It seems disappointing that we still do not have any other really type of representative representation on these shows. There's not a lot of uh, queer dating shows. The few that there are, it tends to be like a gimmick. And you don't have ones where they're showing, like, you know, the broad spectrum of of people's lived experiences. And I get that dating shows and reality TV in general is supposed to be escapism. It's supposed to be fun. But sometimes I'd like to see people I know represented on the screen. I'd like to know that someone like me can go on TV and make an ass of themselves. Yeah. (laughs) In the name of whatever. <laughs> Absolutely. I completely agree. I think it's time. Maybe F-Boy Island season two, because you can have F-Boys of any size, shape, and age. That is true. Right? I still love the concept, but maybe more care in the casting. Before we head out, we want to give some recommendations. Allegra, what are you loving right now? Okay, so (laughs) I am obsessed with this new video game. It is a free-to-play video game on the Nintendo Switch. I will preface this by saying anything Pokemon does, I will follow blindly. So maybe take it a little bit with a grain of salt. But I'm obsessed with the new game. It's called Pokemon Unite. It's a multiplayer online battle arena game, which is a very popular genre that I've always stayed away from because it's often about like being exceptionally good at different kinds of roles versus I'm the kind of person who like, I just like to press a button and kill everything, all the other Pokemon. And like, it's very team oriented. You always have to play online. I usually don't like multiplayer games, but the way they've done this is they've made it so you don't really have to talk to other people. You can do your own thing and still succeed. And it's, it's basically like you play as a Pokemon on teams of either three, four or five, um, and you're trying to score the most points by the end of the the match. So matches run either five or ten minutes. And it's basically like, it's kind of like basketball in a weird way. Like, 
you know, there's two sides of the court. You're trying to dunk and you got to get the other members of the team out of your way. But it has all these fun Pokemon touches like your Pokemon evolve and there's all these other Pokemon there to fight. So it's it's kind of like a, a fun twist on the Pokemon formula where you actually get to play as the Pokemon itself and do different little attacks. And it's really fun to just watch the numbers go up. You know, like, I I just got so many points. Wow, we got 500 points. And because every match is pretty quick, you know, I can easily play it for like 20 minutes and feel pretty satisfied. It's just like such a fun thing to do when I'm taking a little break from work or I'm in a very boring meeting or something. <laughs> it's like a fun time waster. I find myself playing it and I'm like, just one more battle and then an hour's gone by. So I'm really enjoying it. And even though I have to play it with other people, I've never said a word. I don't know who I'm playing with. And it's fine. We all work together so well. And I get to see all my cute Pokemon beat up other cute Pokemon. I really have no complaints. It's like introverts are uniting separately. Introverts unite. Yes, it's (laughs) introverts unite. I love it. So mine is for the people with kids and really anyone who loves a fun adventure story. There is a book called The Bandit Queen by Natalia and Lauren O'Hara. They are amazing children's book authors and illustrators. Their work is just absolutely gorgeous. Like everything they do, you could take it out of the book and frame it and it would look fantastic. And it's the story of this young girl who is accidentally kidnapped from an orphanage and she goes on to become the queen of a feisty group of bandits. I've read it a million times when my daughter was about eight months old. She fell in love with it, (laughs) which was kind of bizarre. I didn't expect her to have a favorite that early in life, but she would constantly pull it off the shelf. So I've almost got the book memorized. My husband and I both do. And it's it's fun. I mean, if you're going to have to read a kid a book a million times, this is this is a great pick for it. They have a few other ones out and a new one coming out soon, hopefully to the U.S. because they are abroad. So I'm really excited for their new book to come out and hopefully be available stateside soon. That's our show this week. The Waves is produced by me, Shana Roth. Susan Matthews is our editorial director with June Thomas providing oversight and moral support. If you like the show, please be sure to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts. And please consider supporting the show by joining Slate Plus. Members get benefits like zero ads on any Slate podcast and bonus content of shows like this one. It's only $1 for the first month. And to learn more, go to slate.com slash the waves plus. We'd also love to hear from you. So email us at thewaves at slate.com. The Waves will be back next week. Different hosts, different topic, same time and place. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. 
Hi, this is Dahlia Lithwick, host of Slate's legal podcast, Amicus. If you're listening to this show, you might be interested in Amicus's live show that we're hosting in Washington, D.C. on Tuesday, May the 14th. My colleague, Mark Joseph Stern, and I will be talking to some amazing guests, including Sherilyn Eiffel and a sitting state Supreme Court justice all about how originalism, a relatively recently invented way of interpreting the Constitution, has taken over the Supreme Court and radically reshaped the law. It's been doctrinal rocket fuel for the conservative legal movement and facilitated the rolling back of abortion rights, the expansion of gun rights, and the obliteration of the separation of church and state. And as another wildly consequential Supreme Court term careers to its end, the court's originalists are on a tear. But there's something you can do about it. And we hope you'll join us in D.C. on May 14th to explore the possible pathways out of the current situation. Go to slate.com slash amicus live for tickets.